How to Become Superhuman with the creator of the Power of Imagination Framework, Patrick Nagako, on episode number 219 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. I stopped getting hit at school, and that transformation made me realize I don't need to follow the right way. I don't need to follow the traditional way. For me, it wasn't, I need to pay attention in class. I need to understand the concept as they come along. As long as when the test comes around, I score well, who cares about how I got there? This is Dom Brightman here from DomBrightman.com, certified self-leadership trainer and host of the Going North podcast. And you are listening to Dr. Brad Miller on the Beyond Adversity podcast, where he will help you along with his wonderful guests that he brings on from time to time, advance in your life, go for more and use your adversity to create your next ultimate advantage. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, the show dedicated to helping you crush adversity and succeed in life. Brad believes you deserve a life that is fulfilling and impactful, and this show is designed to help you navigate beyond adversity and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Now, here's Dr. Brad. Hello again, good people. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. What a pleasure and a privilege to have you with me today as we continue to go on this journey together to help you to grow through what you go through to achieve peace, prosperity, and purpose by overcoming adversity in your life. This this podcast is brought to you by the course, The 40-Day Way, which you can find more information about that at drbradmiller.com slash 40dayway, where we help you to develop your PLP, your personal life plan to help you to navigate adversity in your life and to develop your written plan in just 40 days. Head on over to drbradmiller.com slash 40dayway for more information about that. That's also the place on our website, drbradmiller.com, where you can find many, many, many podcast episodes with great experts and leaders and teachers who will speak into some adversity in your life and help you to overcome it with a process. Our question today has to do with this. Have you ever felt kind of down and out in your life where you just kind of said to yourself, wow, if I was just somehow superhuman, then I could deal with this process. Then I could deal with it and overcome it and come to a better place. Our guest today came from a bad situation. In our conversation, you're going to hear how he dealt with really awkward and terrible family uh, situations, including mental health issues, physical and emotional abuse, physical health matters, instability in the family, and immigrating back and forth from Cameroon, the country of Cameroon, to the United States. And then how in that process you're going to feel all these emotions, all this stuff going on. And then you're going to hear our guest today, Patrick Nagako, talk about what he did. And you're going to learn the process he did to make his life better, to come to the United States with a plan and a vision to become a university graduate, which he did, even magna cum laude. And, and, And the Using the power of imagination 
in what he calls the power of imagination framework to navigate adversity and to achieve success in what he calls to become superhuman. You're going to learn this whole process here uh, today. Great story, fascinating story about how he chose to leverage some of the imaginary situations he had growing up to be to his benefit as a very successful uh, adult and with something to teach you, and particularly if you're looking for some way to achieve your desired goals in your life and get uh, continue to make progress in your career. Our guest today is Patrick Nagako. You can find him at patricknagako.com. That's P-A-T-R-I-C-K-N-G-A-G. KO.com. When we come back from the other side of the interview, we're going to talk about some of the specific things you can do to leverage the power of imagination in your life and they become superhuman in your own right. Right now, let's get into our conversation with Patrick Nagako right now. With our special guest, Patrick Nagako, he has the power of imagination framework. He's a life coach helping people to change their life circumstances and the, their career trajectory by this power of imagination framework. Patrick, welcome to Beyond Adversity. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you with us here today. We're going to get into the details of the power of imagination framework in just a minute or two here, Patrick. But there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason why you decided to create this framework that we find at your website. And there is many times we find here on this podcast that people have had some point of challenge or pain or adversity or something that was an important pivoting point for them. And if you would just share us a little bit about your story, about some of the ways that you have matriculated through various situations and then come to create this framework. So what adversity have you faced in order to get to this point? Uh, yeah, for sure. Thanks, Brad. I really appreciate you having me on the show. A lot of people, they, they face their adver adversity later on in life, particularly when they start making their own choices. And the difference with me, for me, was right off the bat. Uh, I was born in, in pretty challenging circumstances. And you do have, you do find quite a few people as well that, that do have that going for them. When I was born, my parents were very young. My father was a young 21-year-old college dropout. My mother was still finishing college, six years older than him. And she, unbeknown to him, had mental illness. She had been diagnosed with schizophrenia a few years before. And part of that process was when she got pregnant with me, she stopped taking her medication, which ultimately led her to a very serious nervous breakdown. My father actually left my mom after a few months of marriage. And so my mom was caring for me by herself. And she had this massive nervous breakdown. And at that point, I was sent to foster care while they tracked my father. And they wind up finding my dad and he sent me to his mother in Cameroon, Central Africa. I think by the time I was about two years old. And so here I am coming into a country. Granted, I was very young, so I didn't know any better or anything different, but coming into an environment that's completely different than, than what I had spent my few couple of years uh, on earth. And the interesting thing part is it's not if my father was coming from a stable environment or a stable household. We, I was sent to a very traditional Cameroonian culture and with being raised by my grandmother. And she was a woman 
fairly young at the time. I believe she was in her mid-40s when I moved to Cameroon, but she had gone through a lot of traumatic events in her personal life, and she had just come out of jail for embezzlement. And so I'd lost a lot of the clout and reputation damage and everything that comes along with it. And and that's the environment I grew up in. And so my grandmother raised me. My father joined us a few years later. I was about five years old when my father joined and he came, he moved back to Cameroon. He had never completed college and he came back to start his own business. And what he really did was take advantage of the fact that he was an American citizen and was able to bring some goods to Cameroon and sell them there. That was before like the world opened. That was before Dubai and anything that is just before before social media and even TV and cable and things like that people in Cameroon didn't really have access to. And so having this American guy that would just bring something as simple as a stereo system would just... So his connections were a bit of an advantage for him business-wise. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And he'd had a, a lot of opportunities. He, the, Actually, the way he came to the United States was in uh, with a basketball scholarship to go to Cornell. By 18, he was recognized as one of the top basketball players in Cameroon, played for the national basketball team. That's how he was scouted. But he came to the U.S. And like he always used to say, the kids here had a love for basketball that couldn't that he couldn't match. And he dropped out and basically okay. squandered that, that opportunity there. Going back to my childhood and my upbringing, my father remarried. I was about five years old. And he basically embraced the Cameroonian culture, which is polygamy. It's very centered around the male. The children are coming second, second in, in priority. A lot okay. of domestic violence. And he was, he, he had a very short temper. And I remember I was four years old. He, and no, not four years, I was about six years old, six, seven years old. And he used my baseball bat to beat my stepmother. And I was just watching, right? And so you see that violence growing up. But that's what he grew up in. That's what his mother did as well. And she was the one raising me too. So she wasn't any better. He had a very tough upbringing that he didn't really change the course from that standpoint. Um, and so living in that environment, that unstable environment was very, was particularly was challenging, traumatic for me. And I developed really a big anxiety disorder at that point. And that manifested with weight. I was, as a kid, I was very obese just throughout my childhood, which is ironic because I'm living in a developing country where some people even have a hard time eating. Sure. And, but my father was fortunate enough to have a lot of the, because he was considered poor, even from an Ameri from a U.S. standpoint, he got a lot of the government aids coming through to him because of my mother's mental illness, which is a different story, right? She got, she benefited a lot from government aids. But you think about it, you take $1 there, that's 500 francs that's the average salary a year is about four thousand dollars so this shows you a little bit of comparison the american culture economically was just so dramatically different so what was would have been poor in the united states would have been pretty wealthy in cameron is that fair exactly exactly absolutely okay. right and unless he came down to Things that we would consider basic needs, like healthcare, for instance. I think healthcare, yeah. in that sense, is the same cost everywhere, right? It was just extremely yeah. expensive there. So 
when it came down to things like that, it was very difficult for my father to take care of himself in that, if with that respect. But when it came down to primary things like lodging and food and things like that, taking advantage of that opportunity, basically the conversion rate between US dollar and francs, that, that went a very okay. long way. Sure. So you had this economic situation in the country. You grew, you were born mm-hmm. in the United States, but you grew up in Cameroon, Cameroon. And so there had to become a time when you realized that you were in an abusive situation or you grew up in this and you made some changes to move out of that. So tell me about the transition where you transitioned out of that environment to something different. Yeah, one of the things that one of the things that happened, that transition actually happened. I was about I would say six, I was about some, mm, I was about eight years old, eight or nine years old. Although I did not physically get out of Cameroon when I was 18, that transformation within started at the age of eight. And I'll explain to you why. So I was going to a Cameroonian school at the time and the practice in school is that you hit the kids and Mm -hmm. I was a very poor student, and that was mostly because of what happened at home. My father had multiple wives living in this under the same roof. So think about it. It's hard enough to be mm. married to one person, but you're married to people that know each other. And yeah, uh, yeah it was a very distressful environment in that sense. And so I, by seven years old, I couldn't really spell my name. And that's how awful I was in school, and my grades were pretty awful. And the school actually told my grandmother, we'll have to we have to keep this kid behind until he gets his way around because we can't keep on moving him to the next grade if he doesn't know some of the basics. And, sure. and I got hit a lot at school uh, just for that. I was a very wrong bonkers by kid. By students, by teachers, or by, teachers. by whom? By everybody? No, by the teachers. teachers. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So wow. we they would have sticks and they would use like the rubber belt of the car and just basically mm. hit you routinely. Yeah. And so one of the things, one of the things that the teacher offered was we can, I can stay, I can stay with him after school for a couple of hours just to, to go through the concepts. And there were a few students like myself that struggled. And so we did stay. And interestingly enough, and I, and I remembered this, he started giving us the exams as part of a practice during, during the time with him. So Usually the day before an exam, he would give us the actual exam before because he think, he thought that we were pretty much idiots. And so what I did, I started memorizing the exams because I, I connected those dots. And in that was my first time using my imagination, my first time using my creativity to come up with a solution. Because for some reason, I could not get, I don't know if it was just the association of Getting hit. So you weren't kind of learning in the traditional ritualistic or rote way. You began to apply practices of imagination and memorization towards the practice there. And then so this shift here happened to your emotional triggers eventually led you to apply your mental and your cognitive abilities to what you needed to do. So in that process, what do you think were some of the things that you began to realize and apply that got you out of this mess? You're in an abusive mess at home and at school and in a culture that was not conducive to to nurturing your imagination, I have to assume. What would you do about it? Yeah, I think what happened was, so my grades started getting, my grades started getting a lot better. And so... 
I stopped getting hit at school. And that transformation made me realize I don't need to follow the right way. I don't need to follow the traditional way. For me, it wasn't, I need to pay attention in class. I need to understand the concept as they come along. As long as when the test comes around, I score well, who cares about how I got there? That's really the way I approached it, right? And I started becoming a lot more creative, which is I started studying a lot more at home because I I had a lot of trouble focusing in class. So what I would do is I would find places at home where I would reread what we went through in doing class during the day and try to position myself to be able to not have to rely as much on the test that the teacher was giving the night before. And so the process was really, okay, there, there are many ways you can get the same result, right? There's a traditional route. There's the way everybody says you have to do things. But ultimately, as long as you get those results, right, you can find any other way. It is, it's really the sky's the limit at that right. point. So you begin to use like visualization practices or you begin to have use some sort of a mind a mindset type of situation to break these patterns? Absolutely. I started, some people call it photographic memory. What I did actually, I, I read a lot of Sherlock Holmes and that, that's of Colin Doyle, Sherlock Holmes. And that's one thing that he does characterize is like memory palace, right? So what I did start using was a, a pattern uh, where I would store images in my head, right? And I would just kind of look at a page and kind of remember and, and, and understand that page, and use that for the next day for the future in in when I, I did have the exams. And so I think what, okay. what winds up happy what winded up happening, I was preparing more for the exam, but in the longer process I grasped a lot of these concepts. But you began to apply not only your exams, but that helped you when you entered the business world and other things you were involved with. Is that fair to say, Patrick? Absolutely. And I think what's more important what's more important here was the fact that what stuck with me was that in life, if you are stuck, if you are getting into a point where you're not able to move forward, the answer nine out of 10 times is within. It's not outside. I've never had a sense of being trapped. And, and it's and, rarely and, at the end of a stick that you're being hit with either. Exactly. Just, you rarely find the answer is at the end of a stick you're being hit with. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where you there's really never a position in life where you are trapped. I think depending on where what lands on your lap. It could be something that's completely catastrophic for you. At the end of the day, depending on how you accept it and how you embrace it and how you view it will define and determine how you turn it around, right? And so these circumstances that I I did not choose, like I did not choose to have a mother with mental illness, and that came along with its own frustrations and its own anxieties. I did not choose to grow up in the kind of environment that I grew up in, but a choice that I made was whether to accept it or to do something about it or to at least try to create something else. So what else did you do about it? You had to accept or do something about it. You've mentioned visualization. You've mentioned memorization. You've mentioned about the the mindset things. Was there any aspect of this, Patrick, that had to do with something beyond self? I'm talking about something either spiritual or metaphorically or something along that line. Was there any aspect of your transformation that was going deeper on a spiritual level? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I think one one thing that that I did find, and, I, and with all of that, is the cornerstone to to even the power of imagination is courage, right? And I think mm. courage, true courage, and pure courage goes beyond your own abilities, right? It goes beyond something that you can just will your way to it, right? Something you can just, you can't just think about courage and say, I'm going to be brave today. Courage is something that comes, it's an energy that comes from the universe, that comes from whatever force that you're, that you believe in, whatever power that you believe in, that's where courage comes from. And so I think when you follow what I call the path of least resistance, when you follow your dharma, when you follow your life path and you're in tune with your personality, right? Because to be quite honest, I don't think a lot of people would be able to stomach kind of the conditions I was brought in. Mm -hmm. I'm naturally stubborn. And that helped me. So many people, when they have those difficult conditions of abuse and things, spiral into the malaise of what they were living in. They get stuck Mm -hmm. there. I'm sure if we went back to Cameroon or other places that you've been, there's plenty of people who are still stuck there in those lives and lifestyles. And... Uh you chose something different and then you teach something Absol- different. And that's what we want to talk about now is how, what you teach, you've mentioned here about you've made, changed your mind. It's led you to some, a different pathway, a life path, as you put it. I know you're a life coach. So tell us a little bit about the power of imagination. You call it the power of imagination framework. It gave uh, you a progression it helped you in your career. It helped you in other areas of life. Define that for us. What uh, What is the power of imagination? So the power of imagination, the framework itself, it's essentially a set of tools that, that help you get your mind out of the way. I think what I call imagination is essentially your spirit. Because the way I look at it, in my view, at least, of how human beings are, we are we're some sort of a trinity, right? We're three, three entities with one. And so there is the body, right? The physical body, our quote-unquote flesh. And that, that's as, as real as we get. Once, if you don't have any body, then we're, we're no longer existing. And then right. there is the mind. And then there is our spirit. And our spirit is our true self. And that's the part of us that's eternal, as the part of us that's connected to everybody. And it's that kind of, the spirit is one, but it's also unique and individual to, for, to every single individual. And so the spirit is the one that carries the imagination. And the imagination is really that ability to create something new, to create something that is beautiful, right? And so the problem is we have our mind and our mind was truly meant as a way for the the spirit to communicate with the body as a bridge. And part of our mind are the natural, like, like the instincts such as breathing and even like your pure flight or fright and things like that, just to preserve the human body are working in our minds, right? Part of our mind. But also in the mind is what I call our operating system. Essentially language, all the belief system that we have, a lot of them are downloaded from our parents, things that we learn from our parents on how life should be, right? I'm a black person, and this is how a black person should be and a black person should live, right? But to be quite honest, from a spiritual standpoint, black, white, brown, there's really no difference, right? It's, we are all the same in that, from that standpoint. And right. so the, what the power of imagination helps you do 
is to go back to that spiritual self of you and allow it to provide you with the tools to change your current circumstances. Because a lot of the times our belief systems, at least the way we operate, do come in a way of us being creative. A simple yeah. example, right? So let's, um, let's go there for a okay. second on this creative part here. You said you need to have the courage to use your imagination and your imagination is really, really where you're beginning to connect up with a spiritual side or some mm -hmm. deeper side to create something. And let's go there for a second, Patrick. Yep. Because when we create something, we create, we develop basically new, at least this is what I think here and see what you think. You develop new patterns, you new, new habits, new ways mm -hmm. of doing things, and you are productive. Yes. Produce yeah. something. So tell us about some of the new patterns or some of the new mindsets or some of the new habits or disciplines you may have in your life that have helped you create something. And then what have you got? Absolutely. A good example, simple example is exercising, right? Okay. I grew up with my father. My father was an athlete, but he did not carry the habits growing up. By the time I, I was old enough to remember, my father was north of 350 pounds, Right. Oh and, and he got bigger and bigger after that. And so he never really was in the habit of, of working out. Now, the reality is that's something that I picked up because he used food as a way to as a way to cope with his, his, his anxieties. Sure. And so that's something that I did, too. I learned it. It was part of my operating system and things like portion control and watching what you eat and things like that were all part of my education and my upbringing. Now, the reality is my father unfortunately passed away at a very young age of 56 years old okay. because of that. And the question became, what so am I going to- you witnessed the patterns he went through and as a part of your education, and you were starting to follow some of the same patterns- Exactly. But you broke those patterns and you just created new patterns. And you mentioned, use this as an example of how you create new, you, you apply new disciplines. Absolutely. Or, uh, or new habits and things like this to your life. And you created something. In this case, you recreated your body. Is that Absolutely. Correct? Absolutely. We, same height, same body type. By the time I was 18, I was about 310 pounds, okay. which is humongous. And... So I was really heading towards the same same way. And you used to always tell me you're so lucky because you were able to get a hold of that and being able to get around it young enough where you don't have such damage, right? That is too late to turn things around, right? And what I mean by courage is the courage to really face your operating system, to face your own habits and to say, this has to stop. It's going to be painful, but... I need to change my pattern. And it takes a lot of courage because the people around you, right? Mind you, my, my father grew up in a family and he was probably the biggest and nobody ever told him, hey, you got to stop. Nobody ever held him accountable and say, we love you. Stop. Yeah. Stop eating. Take care of yourself. Um, sure. Yeah. So one of the things you're talking about here is not only a personalization, personal aha moment, as it were, that I need to change. But also this accountability that comes with the people we love and so on, and when it comes to your physical health or anything else, rather than being abusive, to try to be an encourager, to try to help to be uh, help 
things to move along. And one of the things that I'm about you, Patrick, is that you seem to have taken this, these experiences that have happened to you, your abuse, and your anxiety, and moving from one country to another and different cultures and so on. And you have formed a new sensitivity. Of, you call it the power of imagination framework that's worked for you. But you've gone beyond that now, and you seem like you care enough about others that you want to teach this. That you seem like you love others enough that you want to teach them to help them to change. You became a you became a, a successful a student, and mm-hmm. you have also a hip hop artist that you are sharing with others. Practical advice in contemporary music. Tell me some of the ways that you are helping others, either through your teaching or through your music, to help them to transform, to help them to get to a better place, to help them to embrace the power of imagination. What are you teaching people? My The biggest part of my teaching is really to be able to be self-aware. I think that's something we lack a lot in this society in, in, our, in this day and age. I think we're very good about, especially the younger generation, about our emotional beings. I think a lot of us <clears throat> are very sensitive to how we process events and how they impact us emotionally. But I believe that self-awareness is still very t- challenging. And that's what my music does. It's, to, it's challenging people in their thinking patterns. We make thousands of decisions every day. And those decisions, a lot of them are automatic based on 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 our on the way we believe, on the way we operate. They already been being programmed by what we got from our parents, from our environment. And my music is to really be there to challenge it. Hey, why do I need to be this way? Why? Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it from Rosa Parks to Martin Luther King or anybody that has driven change, the first question was, do I really need to do that? Why do I need to do it? Right. And that self-awareness and be able to step out from your body and actually observe your thinking pattern, observing your every single thought in a meditative way does bring out positive, regardless of who you are. I think uh, music has a sense, music goes to that, the rhythm of life itself, musical rhythms, either studies and so on, how that uh, often uh, reverberates with our own heartbeat and other things like this or physiology. physiology. But uh, what I wanted to get with you is I love the term you use to describe your music as heal hip hop artist which yeah. implies that there's something to heal, that there's brokenness. So I'm interested in how you used your music to help yourself or help others to heal from some some brokenness. And by the way, you use your stage name, Gecko. And, yeah. But how do you help audiences? How do you provide advice to people to heal through your music? Yeah, and for full disclosure, the concept of heal hip-hop, I actually did not full come up with it. Uh, I did some artists that I work with in Nashville that that are the the spearheaders of hill hip hop they call it hill hop and but it's really a philosophy where the music is uplifting the music because i love the hip hop today can be you know not as uplifting as it should be. You kind of have to sift through a lot of content well, in order to be able to get Certainly seems something. like a lot of it has a lot of anger and a lot of violence and so on. And what you're sharing here is it'd be uplifting and right. joyous. And that- you also don't want to ignore the anger and the violence because it is part of reality and somebody needs to talk sure. about it. But I think you need that balance in that you need also somebody that will will bring out not necessarily a cheesy positive message, but... Again, mm-hmm. healing be, healing begins with accepting, right? Healing begins with awareness. And what Heal Hip Hop does is ask the questions, right? Hey, the way you're thinking, 
Is it the right way? The way you're looking at life, is it the right way? Have you thought of something else? A lot of the times people haven't had them ask themselves that question because they just operate on a on an automatic level, right? Sure. The way they cope with sure. trauma, the way they cope with different events in their life is just the way they've learned it. And so what Heal Hip Hop does is say, have you thought about it? Have you actually put some thought into it? But tell me the like the lyrics or a little bit about one of your songs that you think is a good representation of what you share to people that may be yeah. uh, given this good vibe. Can you give me some lyrics or something like that? Yeah, for sure. I have a song that's called, I think, Lockdown Blues. And the chorus goes, it's okay, it's okay. It's uh, I work with a lady out in the UK to create that song. And really, the the song goes, it's a conversation uh, with that she's having with someone else who's telling him that it's okay. It's okay if you don't want to talk. It's okay if you don't want to compete. It's okay if you don't want to be the best. It's okay if you want to just, it's okay if you don't want to do something that you truly don't believe in. And that's really to bring out the idea that a lot of the decisions that we make, a lot of the actions that we take are not really generated by us. They're more so generated okay. by the way we've learned to operate in life. Sure. And so that song's called It's Okay or something? Yeah. Is that the title of it? Or is it? Uh, okay. It's Lockdown well, Blues. That's awesome. Lockdown Blues, I'm sure. You, yes. You yeah. just uh, <laughs> said, said that a second ago. Music, I'm an old disc jockey. That's just one of the reasons I share that with you because I yeah. know the power of music. I'm not a musician myself. I used to be a mm -hmm. concert promoter and I've done some of that type of thing. Never hip hop though, gotta say. But, but the, but I certainly know the power of music to transform people. Mm -hmm. And what your message here is of the power of imagination framework is all about life transformation. Tell us about a person or situation where you've seen someone who's been somehow their life has been changed or impacted either by your music or by your message or some personal interaction. Tell me a testimonial story about somebody you've seen change in your life. In terms of seeing people change change in my life, to be quite honest, the way I bring out my message, it's more in, in like wisdom bites, right? I have a good friend of mine. Years ago, I told him, one thing that you need, I recommend you doing is to see a therapist, particularly as a young black male, because we do deal with a lot of things. And that was part of, of me encouraging him to have somebody that he can talk to and bounce right? His own thoughts. And as you're speaking and you're, you're sharing these thoughts with somebody that's neutral, you do realize and you start um, observing your own thinking pattern, uh, which is critical in really unlocking your own imagination. And he, I gave him that wisdom bite and walked away <laughs> without necessarily falling closely. And years later, he he pinged me and said, hey, this, is a, this was one of the best advice. I've been working with therapists for years and we're unlocking a lot of things. And same thing in college. I recently, a lady messaged me and said, hey, you told me this about betting on yourself when many years ago, that's almost 20 years ago. Until this day, I tell that to my two, my students and she's a teacher. She's a, a middle school teacher. And she's, I literally have your quote as one of the thing I, first thing I teach to my, teach to my students on the first school year. My, my philosophy is I'm, I share wisdom. I'm a peaceful rebel. That's really the way I, I look at myself. I love that. I love that. A peaceful rebel. There's some good, there's some good things there, Patrick, about how you shared it with others and your music and how you've influenced people and your quotes on the wall of a classroom in a middle school. That's pretty cool. And that that's awesome. Our listeners are going through their own share of anxiety and circumstances that they have to deal with. And you provide some good, helpful information and encouragement here, your wisdom that you just shared there.
How can people get be connected to you and learn more about the power of imagination framework or perhaps even your music? How can people get connected to you? The easiest way is to go on my website, patringako, N-G-A-K-O.com. I'm also on Instagram, same handle, Patrick Dingako on Instagram and Facebook and all the platform. If you just Google me, I my name will come first. And on my website, you do have links to my music. I'm coming with coming out with an album in the next few months. It's an electronic R&B album where I will be the primary performer. Well, I'll be the sole performer on that one. So yeah. that will be a lot more, even a lot more connected as I'm going. I talk a lot about some of the struggles that I've had personally, particularly around cha- challenging and rebelling against the negative, the vicious kind of behavior and negative tendencies yeah. I grew up in, things that tend to keep you at lower levels. And so because nobody deserves to live a life of abuse and right. some of the things you've gone through. And if you can be helpful to others, know that you want to be. And so we'll certainly put the links to your website, Patrick Nagamo, would, uh, Nagako, I'm sorry. Yes. P-A-T-R-I-C-K-N-G-A-K-O.com. Yeah. And so that's Patrick, and you can find him there. Also, we'll put links to our website, drbradmiller.com, and there where you can catch up with the Power of Imagination framework and his music. And so some good stuff here uh, today from Patrick. His name, Patrick Nagako, and he has been our guest today, and we thank him for being our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Great information, great inspiration from Patrick uh, Nagako. And I hope that you heard his story and the passion that he shares his story and how he shares that passion he can speak in, into your life. One of the things that you can do, I believe, is learn from his series of leveraging imagination in his life to do something greater and to take some of those imaginary situations he had growing up and to use them to help form the dreams and aspirations which he looked to achieve through education and through music. So I want you to understand, use your creativity, your imagination, your music or whatever creative arts that you have in your life to help you become, develop your own framework, what he calls your superhuman uh, your imagination framework to achieve being superhuman. You can head over to his website and catch and, and also his YouTube channel to catch his YouTube series, Superhuman You, to give you more information about that and to understand what he's all about. You can find also information about his courses that he offers, uh, his podcast and about his music, about all that type of thing over at patricknagako.com. P-A-T-R-I-C-K-N-G-A-K-O dot com. We thank you for being, thank Patrick for being our guest today on Beyond Adversity, where we seek to help people like you with the stories for people like Patrick to grow through what you go through. This episode of the Beyond Adversity podcast was brought to you by The 40 Day Way. You can head over to drbradmiller.com slash 40 day way for more information about the course, which will help you to in 40 days, develop your PLP, your personal life plan to help you to navigate adversity in 40 days and have a process to move forward. Here at drbradmiller.com, we're all about helping you to grow through what you go through. And you can have find over 200 episodes of this podcast at drbradmiller.com. We come to you 
every week just about with a story of some or some great interview of someone who's overcome adversity in their own life and can teach us something. And our teaching is all about helping you to overcome the five D's of adversity, depression, divorce, disease, and debt and death. You can do it. I know that you can. So until next time, good folks, this is Dr. Brad Miller encouraging you to always do all the good that you can. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You can find a complete archive of all episodes at drbradmiller.com. That's drbradmiller.com. Or subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Each week, we bring you a message to crush adversity and live your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. 